0: We won't have sustainable development unless we're able to report. And it sounds a bit boring, but actually financial markets operate on the basis of information. A frustration that very many people have now is that there are so many different reporting frameworks. That's a whole alphabet soup of different standards. The market has to base investment decisions on information that will tell them something about the viability of business models.
1: Welcome to The Future of Business, a podcast by UN Global Compact Norway and Abelia.
2: The board of directors make strategic decisions, but do they have the necessary competencies to ensure that future business models are sustainable and accountable?
1: Today's first guest is Turi Solvang founder and executive director of Future Boards. She has experience as head of the Norwegian Institute for Directors. Great to have you here, Thurid.
3: Thank you for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to the discussion.
1: Great. And we also have Martin Skanke. He's chair of Principles for Responsible Investments, PRI. Martin headed the government appointed commission on climate risk in 2018 and is a member of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Welcome, Martin. Thank you very much. Well, All I'm right. stain
2: And I'm Kim from the UN Global Compact. So we have been doing this for a while, but not in English. So this time we're gonna, we need to tell people who we are, I guess. Um, today's topic is of course, that we have just, in the Norwegian context, we have just gone through a conference that has been uh, organized by you, uh It's about, it's called uh, Leading for the Future. Give us a couple of, couple of words what it is, and uh, we'll come back to why, why it is important to bring it up today.
3: Well, Leading for the Future is uh, a collaboration between Future Boards and Aftenposten, the largest uh, daily newspaper in Norway, and with the Financial Times as a media partner. Uh, and the conference aims to take a closer look at what kind of leaders do we need in the future. Uh, that includes uh, board members and, of course, the top managers as well. And we mainly focus on, uh, in addition to competence, we, we focus on the mindsets of those people. What kind of values and attitudes must they expect from those who are making the final decisions at the top of, of, uh, of business uh, society?
2: And one of these leaders, Martin, well, yeah. was you. You were one of the speakers <laughs> at, the, at the conference. So... Well, I mean, what are the, what were the trends this year about leading for the future? Um, I'm sure there is something about sustainability, I'm sure, but no, what would you, I mean, what, what's the big picture? I think there are several emerging
0: trends, but the thing that uh, maybe I discussed most at the conference was reporting, which is, I think, an integrated part of this, uh, because Uh, I think uh, investors are demanding more reporting reporting from the companies they invest in to understand the sustainability of the business models that they've invested in. So that creates a pressure, I think, on board directors to understand what kind of uh, information they need to give to the market in order for the market to understand their business model. But I think it also creates a challenge of how can you use reporting to improve your own internal strategy process. Uh, And I think uh, a frustration that very many people have now is of course, that there are so many different reporting frameworks. Uh, It's a whole alphabet soup of different standards and people are looking for more convergence of reporting standards. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think at the core of this is really that in a market-based economy, where you rely on financial markets to allocate capital efficiently, you need to have good information to the market. The market has to base investment decisions on information that will tell them something about the viability of business models. So I think this whole reporting issue is actually very, very closely linked to the sustainability agenda. We won't have sustainable development unless we're able to report. And it sounds a bit boring, but actually financial markets operate on the basis of information. And it's this information that will tell investors what business models are viable and which isn't. So I think that's sort of uh, a core foundational element in this whole transition to a more sustainable economy.
2: But I mean, we talked about this also during the conference. So um, so this is certainly the risk perspective, the the compliance of, of things. That's certainly one of the roles of the boards. But another one is, of course, the the strategic development and the economical development of the company. So what you do? What would you say in the other areas? Of course, uh, information data is important, but you were also also in working on, on other topics with regards to board directors.
3: Mm. Before I reply to that, uh, I would like to comment on, on one of Martin's comments uh, at the conference. I think it was you said that uh, Martin, that we shouldn't look at the report as an end in itself. It's about the process uh, developing the report, which makes you think and reflect on, on what are we really doing uh, in this uh, in this company. And, and uh, Martin's session was in the middle of uh, of uh, the, the different panels. So uh, the first panel discussion we had was from the investor perspective, and we called it "It is a tipping point for purpose." because uh, we've been speaking about the purposeful companies for a while, and we wanted to dig into uh, what does it really mean? And uh, is it so that investors are looking for purpose-based companies, uh, or, or is it profit that is the end goal uh, at the end of the day? And I think we got a clear answer for that, uh, meaning that, yes, there are investors are looking for purpose-based companies, but that means that purpose-based companies are doing better than those without the clear purpose beyond making their money. So that was also one of, one of the topics we explored. And after Martin's uh, panel uh, about the reporting and how to how to operate within this, all these different standards, uh, we were asking, well, who is going to do this? So we were looking at uh, the millennials and the generation set and how will they How do they uh, have to be led uh, as employees in a company? And and how will they lead as leaders uh, of their companies? And we also touched upon uh, the topic of should we have younger people uh, in the boardrooms? So uh, we we can discuss that further later on, I guess.
1: Yes, let's do that. To it, I also wanted to ask you about the times we are living in unstable uh, times indeed uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. and if you compare uh, the tone and perhaps the focus in this year's conference with previous ones what would you say i mean uh, for instance when it comes to being purpose driven mm-hmm. looking at uh, seeing the big pictures uh, what changes are you seeing if, if any due to this circu- these circumstances that we are that, that we are seeing
3: You know, last year, uh, this time, uh, I was calling for a boardroom revolution because I really think we need to rethink uh, the role of the boards, uh, their composition, and and also their work processes. And just a month after our conference, it did change, and it changed rapidly. Board meetings suddenly moved from physical rooms to teams and Zoom, and and everything happened uh, very quickly. And when board members used to say, no, we need to sit down around the table, we need to talk to each other, we need to meet them, you know, we have to have this chemistry and things, the dynamics going on. And then suddenly, no, it didn't have to be like that. So that shows us that, well, there is, um, there, there is an opportunity to, to look into, do we need to have the traditional role of the board and, and what, does that, what does that mean in this new reality? So I think this year's conference, apart from being much more um, uh, well, we've six hours program into one and a half hour broadcast. So it, it was a, a much more headline based uh, discussion, I'd say. So uh, and I feel perhaps it was more action oriented. It, it was more urgent than last year. Uh, perhaps last year the feeling was a bit well. Now we're talking. What are we? Are we going to do something? What are we going to do? Whilst now it's more like, well, we we have to act and we have to act fast.
2: And is this your impression as well, Martin? Have we seen not only on COVID side, of course, but also on the the green, uh, you know, the the change? Is it true? Wasn't 2019 and 2020 the years of, of change?
0: I think it is uh, years of change, and and not just the pandemic. I think uh, just look at what's happened in the climate uh, space uh, with uh, in the EU in particular with the taxonomy, and uh, but also in other countries in China with the decarbonization plans in uh, the US. I think uh, we'll see a, a big shift with the new administration. So I think. Uh, on the climate issues, there is much greater sense of urgency than there was only a couple of years ago.
2: And do you think we will see some, a, sort of a, a U.S. taxonomy uh, now with the Biden uh, administration in place? Um,
0: not in the same form, I think, as the EU taxonomy, but I think we will see a much more uh, ambitious federal climate plan with climate targets. Uh, not the same use of policy instruments, I think, as in the EU, um, but uh, I think the, the objectives will be, uh, be similar. I think there is a, will be a plan to decarbonize the economy uh, towards 2050 uh, and hopefully some intermediate targets on, on the way. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, this changes uh, a lot of the momentum, I think, around the climate issue.
2: I think one of the things we saw uh, we discussed this the other day today is um, uh, we looked at, together at the annual corporate di- director survey of uh, PWC. 2019 uh, 56% of the board directors they hadn't asked said uh, or the directors in the company said that they thought there was too much discussion discussion on ESG in the boards. Mm. So half of them meant it was too much discussion on this. Um, when we come to 2020 just one year uh, uh, later the, the picture was completely changed mm-hmm. uh, it's of course also how you ask the question and all that but it shows an, an, uh, a trend that it's it's moving in the right direction mm-hmm. at the same time we, we know quite a bit about board directors in uh, international in the large uh, international uh, corporations um, and companies uh, but in revision context we don't have that much data do we
3: well, we do have data on, uh, at least the, um, uh, the, the the listed companies, we do have data on uh, who they are, because they are disclosing the names and the age uh, and the gender. Those data we, we do have. And and also many companies publish also a brief bio or a CV of their, um, uh, of their board members. But uh, it's not compiled in the report. Uh, so, so that's perhaps the work that, that we should dig into. <laughs> I spent last week counting the board members of, uh, of the uh, Oslo Stock Exchange, 1104 positions held by 1,000 people. So actually not many of them had more than one position, which I thought was a bit surprising. But, but uh, perhaps they have many other positions in, in not listed companies. That could be it. And then the age, that was, uh, <laughs> let me uh, briefly comment on, on that because what, why we were doing this was, was to look at the, the age composition of the board members. And I saw the headline today uh, in, in the, the one online newspaper that there are more board members at the age above 80 than there are of board members uh, younger than 30. So, hmm. and the exact number, I think is a handful either way, but uh, even so.
1: Yeah, that's, that's food for thought, isn't it? Um, I think at the core of what you're both saying is what I know is also um, a focus from your side, Kim, and you in Global Compact, you're talking about the need to start acting for real. You, you, you want this decade to be a, a year of action. Um, are you optimistic, Martin? Are you seeing a change?
0: Uh, I'm seeing a change. I'm still unsure whether the change is rapid enough. Um, I think a lot, lot of things are happening, but if you, if you go back to the Paris agreement uh, on climate and back in 2015, there is a mechanism to ratchet up the commitments every five years. So we had a round in 2020, which wasn't really very impressive. Uh, so now the next round is 2025. And I think that really is the test which means we have to see some real big policy announcements um, in the period, let's say, from 2023 to 2025 in order to bring us on track. Uh, I think um, there is, uh, there may be two reasons why you can be a bit more optimistic even if policy is sort of falling a little uh, behind. One is an enormous increase in the attention from institutional investors so I think investors are doing a lot more than they did even uh, just a couple of years ago. This is very high on the um, investor agenda. And secondly, I think the rate of technological change is, is, is very high and uh, gives some reason for optimism. But I think on current trends, even if we're very lucky with the technology, uh, I, I suspect that technology alone or I'm, I'm sure that technology, technological change alone is not sufficient to bring us down to a low car- zero-carbon economy within the time frame that we need to move. Um, we need to get to net zero by 2050, and we need a lot more ambitious uh, policy action to bring us there. So um, uh, it's uh, it's too early to give up, or it's always too early to give up. But um, I, I, I'm not really uh, comfortable with with the trajectory we're on now. Um, I think that we're, we're we're behind schedule.
1: I think in terms of the transition. Some people say it's never too late to give up, but to what do you say? <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, I never give up, <laughs> so we, we shouldn't do yeah. that. But, but if it takes a... Step back. So it seems that, well, the the push started mostly from consumers and employees uh, focusing on, um, you know, sustainability and and climate change, especially. And and then it moved to the investor and the institutional investors, as you say, Martin, are are pushing hugely for this and and with BlackRock uh, in front. Uh, And then now we see a a, a movement uh, uh, in, in policies. So regulators are now moving in because uh, they see that this transition is not going fast enough. So uh, you you mentioned, Kim, uh, the EU taxonomy. Uh, There is also a consultation going on in the EU Commission on uh, Sustainable uh, Corporate Governance. Uh, They're actually proposing to, uh, or one of the suggestions is to uh, set requirements uh, for board directors on sustainability competence. So, uh, and, and also the Norwegian corporate governance board uh, recently launched uh, the, the consultation on changes in in, um, in the corporate governance recommendation. And uh, it's actually a huge step from the uh, last revision that is three years old. Uh, in 2018, they uh, stressed that uh, the responsibility of the board of directors is to create value for the shareholders. I was hugely critical to that at the time. This year, they have changed it. And their proposal is that uh, the, the, um, the responsibility of the board of directors is still to create value for the shareholders, but in a sustainable way. So that is a huge step. It's not far enough, but, but it is a good step forward. And, and I salute them uh, for that. So, so change is happening, definitely.
2: Should the, the change move from the shareholders to the stakeholders, or because that is the discussion, right? Like, what is the, the larger um, influence of the the company, I guess? Uh, and I, I wanted, mm. since we talked about what have what has changed, Martin. I, mm. I you were also the head of the Norway's uh, Climate Risk Commission back in twenty eighteen, I guess it was. Um, yeah. And I'm sure how uh, you seen that in conclusions you had back then. Have they? Have they been taken into account? Uh, are they, you know, the the measures you proposed, or the the you know the the critical uh, measures you you pointed to? How, how is it? I mean, has because I think Turid is right. Of course, it's the company itself. It's of course the investors. It's the regulator, the the government and the authorities, but it's all and the consumer, of course, all these forces are now working closely together. Mm. But how does it look uh, for you after after? I mean, three years almost, or two and a half years is already mm. quite a long time, isn't it, in in this uh, area?
0: Well, a, a lot of the things that we uh, raised are more longer term issues, and and I think our our aim was not so much maybe to come with. A snapshot of climate risk for the norwegian economy in 2018 but more maybe lay a foundation for uh you know defining some concepts getting up some principles getting establishing a framework for how to deal with this because even in the most optimistic scenarios um we will still be in a transition to a low carb- to a zero uh, emission society for the next three decades at least mm-hmm. and and uh, the physical climate will change for several decades. Even if, even if hypothetically we were to cut uh, carbon emissions to zero tomorrow, the climate would still continue to change for many decades based on historical emissions because there's a lot of inertia in the climate system. So this climate risk issue is not something that will just disappear in the next few years. It'll be with us for decades. So we thought let's let's build a foundation and some principles for how to deal with this over a longer time horizon. But to answer your question more directly, I think uh, you know the, the 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 sector that I follow most closely on a day-to-day basis is, is the financial sector. And we've seen a lot of initiatives there, also from uh, from a regulatory perspective. So I, I think a lot of those um, recommendations around climate risk reporting, for instance, have been. Uh, followed and, and we see a lot of um, uh, you know improvements in how companies report on climate risk, which is the necessary first step for investors to they they need that basis in order to improve their own decision making process. So so I think in that area actually a lot has happened over the last couple of years. But there were some other issues around you know the capacity of local governments to uh, to deal with this uh, and to understand this. Uh, and uh, to, uh, to deal with changing risks, understanding the risks of uh, mudslides and uh, water-related damage, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, these are difficult issues, and we have a very decentralized structure in Norway with uh, over 300 municipalities who have responsibility for these issues in their own local communities. Uh, We have a complicated topography. So it's, uh, you know, these kinds of risks are very, very local in their nature. Um, So it's, uh, you need the local knowledge really to understand them. So this is, you know, it is complicated. It's not something that we will solve within a year or two. It's something that we need to address over the longer term. And it's an issue that won't go away for many, many decades.
1: Fyred, we are talking about the importance of bringing the sustainability agenda even closer to the core of what boards and also shareholders are concerned about. If you, if you were to expand a little bit more on that, uh, what, does it, what does it take for this to become even more important? Where, where must we see more pull for this, um, for this to really be on, on top of the agenda?
3: The reason why I believe it's so important to bring the sustainability agenda even higher on on the board uh, agendas is that board directors are few in numbers, but they do make the final decisions on behalf of the companies that they serve. And that are decisions that does not only affect the shareholders, but it also affects all of the stakeholders and eventually the society in which the company operates. So, so I believe that the decisions they make there are hugely important to, uh, to all of us. And, and I had a feeling that uh, boards were, were in, in some kind of a vacuum because the investors were pushing, the companies were pushing, and they were um, hiring sustainability officers. They are creating sustainability reports and they, are, uh, they have chosen, chosen their um, sustainability development goals. Uh, But how do we bring that into the boardroom discussion? How does that affect the the development of the strategy? How do they implement them in all the decisions they are making on the board? Their investment decisions, their um, uh, recruitment decisions, all kinds of decisions that they are making there. Are the uh, sustainable development goals that the companies have chosen just uh, greenwashing or shoehorning? Or or is it really in the backbone of those who are making those decisions. So that's why I I think it's so important. And what what does it take? And I think first and foremost, we need a mind shift among those uh, sitting uh, or or holding those positions. And the the huge mind shift is from focusing on on the shareholder wealth and uh, towards the the whole stakeholder community. And that is a huge shift for for board members because they are elected by the shareholders it is the shareholders that decides who are going to sit around that table. So, so these are uh, really a shift in, in the thinking on, on the role of what they are actually doing there. So, and, and Kim is very well aware that uh, we have made the initiative and actually um, Martin has been uh, uh, with us along the way uh, ever since the idea came up about, uh, on a SDG for BOD program. Uh, which is just a catchy title, meaning that we, uh, we want to create a program or we are creating a program uh, mm. on sustainability for board members specifically. Yes. So that doesn't mean that they should be sustainability experts, but they need to know enough to be constructive uh, partners for, for the management. And also they need to know enough to uh, be able to ask the critical questions.
1: Martin, they say that money talks. Is the money talking loud enough now in order for for, uh, also the investors to... Are they starting to realize that this is not only the right business, uh, the the right way of of running business, but also the profitable business? Yes.
0: So so, let me take up some of the issues that Tudy raised. Um, I think what's... um, Historically, I think there has been sort of a bit of a siloed approach to this. So you've had some people in the company uh, working on sustainability uh, Mm -hmm. that have primarily cared about how the company affects its external environment. So how do we affect our external environment? And we've had sustainability reports that address our CO2 emissions and how we work on uh gender balance and how we work on water and how we work on lots of sustainability issues and we have reporting frameworks for that and we make a, a nice glossy sustainability report very often it's green all of 90 percent of all uh, sustainability reports are made with green fonts and colors and usually some pictures of very photogenic children from third world countries and pictures of trees are also very popular in those reports so that's So that's sort of lived its separate life. And then you have the CFOs and who people who prepare financial reports. And they think about risks and they think about how the external environment affects the company. So the sustainability people have been thinking about, well, how does the company affect its external environment? How do we affect the climate? The CFO and the risk people have been thinking about, well, how can climate change and climate policy affect us financially? And those have been living separate lives in businesses and with investors. So investors have had financial analysts who have been doing financial analysis. And then you have people working on responsible investment who have been analyzing all of these uh, emissions and water, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the challenge now is to bring this together. It's The challenge is for, for businesses to understand that the uh, impact that they have on their external environment today will shape the risks that they face tomorrow and that these issues are actually related. So in response to it, I would say that, well, I, I agree with your perspectives, but I think we shouldn't exaggerate the conflicts between having a stakeholder or a shareholder perspective. I think it's more having that holistic uh, perspective on the business and understanding some of these longer term feedback loops from how the company affects its external environment and how that feeds back into the risks that they're faced with. Mm. And so it's not really about making a good sustainability strategy. It's about making a good, sustainable business strategy. And mm-hmm. that's the focus of the board. It's making sustainability issues a part of the strategy process mm-hmm. and making sure that we have one report where we report on the company, its impacts, and the risks in a more holistic way, and that we try to bring the sustainability thinking into the CFO um suite and, and officers and, and their thinking around sort of reporting and risks. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the challenge is bringing these perspectives together and understand that they're linked. How can you have a sustainable business strategy over time if you impose lots of what economists call negative externalities on, your, on the external environment? How can your business be sustainable in a world that's not sustainable? If that doesn't make sense. So I think it's it's trying to build a bridge between those two perspectives and understand that they're actually linked. And I think today they have been too much separated, both in the way we report report, and the way we do business. And, and so going back to, to some of these reporting issues that we started with, um, you know, you have a set of reporting standards that primarily are about how companies affect their external environment. And then you have some other reporting standards that primarily are about how the external environment affects the companies. And they are based on different sector definitions, different standards, different different metrics, but they actually try to describe two sides of the same coin. And one of the challenges is to try to bring this together uh, so that they actually uh, tell a story about the re- company and its relations to the external environment.
2: And, and then tell us, uh, Martina, how, how does PRI or principle of responsible investment come into the picture? So you are the, okay. ex- you are the executive
0: board, right? Of the... Yes, I'm okay. chair of the board of the, of the PRI. So maybe for those who don't know the PRI, the PRI is an organization for institutional investors. So our members or signatories, as we call them, are institutional investors like insurance companies, uh, uh, pension funds, uh, foundations, uh, and investment managers, et cetera. We have now about three and a half thousand signatories in 70 or so countries across the world, managing over $100 trillion. Uh, so, So that's about half of all invested assets in in the world today. And we try to help our signatories uh, address these issues. We help them by collecting good practices from them. We ask all our signatories every year to report to us on their responsible investment practices. How do they work on the climate issue, for instance? And then we take that information, we try to repackage it into investment practice guidance and then give it back to the signatories and say, well, these are some case studies of what other investors are doing that you might learn from. So we try to facilitate learning across investors. And uh, we're just um, finalizing our strategy for the next three years. In fact, we uh, have a board meeting um, later this week where we will discuss this and uh, share it with our signatories um, in a few weeks time. And, uh, and the title of the strategy is actually building a bridge between financial risks, opportunities, and real-world outcomes. So it's trying to build that bridge and trying to bring the investors also on board on thinking of, of these issues in a more sort of holistic uh, way. And I think that um, it goes back to what Turid mentioned about the Sustainable Development Goals, and we see that the Sustainable Development Goals can be a useful framework for thinking about sustainability issues also for investors and we've actually published a lot of guidance to our signatories about how they can use the sustainable development goals as an investment framework
2: so bridging is a new word uh, to it bridging the strategic the uh, risk and opportunity perspective uh, is that also your summary of the the role of the board members perhaps
3: uh, absolutely and and, and I would... Just say I, I totally agree with you, Martin. It's about the integrated thinking. You, you have to put all the bits and pieces uh, together. So moving away from the silos. Just an anecdote about that: uh, a CFO of a large company uh, was in a, a, a meeting we had, and uh, we were discussing who should be responsible for uh, the sustainability report, as they still had. And he said the CFO, he, he would love to be in charge of the sustainability report as well as the financial report. But the comms director wouldn't let him because the comms director wanted to be in charge of the sustainability report. So that could be, you know, differences uh, on, on the ground that is difficult to see from a uh, from board level, It's all those tiny little things
2: but, but isn't then then if the board asks for one report uh, i guess
3: then so. they would have to make a choice and and then also if they rename the cfo to to mervin's chief value officer instead that would make a lot more sense so um,
2: CVO the v always the
3: EVO <laughs> is the new uh, new title, the Chief Value Officer, because it's not about not just about the financial um, um, financial values, but but also all other uh, all other capitals. So, bridging, yes, of course, and and collaboration. Uh, sdv seventeen is one of future boards uh, SDVs that we've chosen because I, I think we have to bring all these thinkers together i used to call it the the, the corporate governance uh, ecosystem it's uh, it's the investors it's the board members it's the top managers it's the academics the the politicians the regulators all have to come together and and find a a, a way to work forward uh, to uh, to make sure that we keep keep the planet for our future yeah. generations that is the, the big question
1: very interesting perspectives kim um, I'm afraid this bridge has to uh, lead over to the exit somewhere. We, uh, we are coming closer to, to the end of this podcast. Uh, time passes very quickly when we have interesting things to, to talk about. But we sometimes um, allow ourselves to, to give the guests uh, a challenge uh, before they leave us. So what do you think? Should we also venture that today?
2: Yeah, I think we should add the final pitch from the, the participants, uh, as we usually do. <laughs> so now you have your moment, your minute, I guess. Is that what we're giving them? Yeah, maximum all, one minute, all the problems, yes. uh, mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> so uh, do you want to start uh, today, or?
3: One minute for my key question, for my key key message. Is that it? Something
2: like that, yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, it's... It, it, the boardroom revolution. We, we need to, to shake up uh, what's happening in those uh, in those boardrooms. So, even if uh, if sustainability and long-term thinking are moving higher and higher up on the agendas, uh, there is still too little competence uh, around the boardroom tables uh, on on how to actually deal with it. And perhaps not so much about the competence, but but about the experience, because this is something they haven't experienced before. So we have to develop. The whole
1: hook again. Martin, what's your elevator pitch, your, your call to action at the end of this podcast? To me, I think it's just
0: summed up in I think what I said earlier that it's not about a sustainability strategy. It's about a sustainable business strategy. So um, and I I would encourage people to think about this not as a communications exercise. It's not about publishing a sustainable, sustainability report it's about integrating that perspective into your strategy process and and really understanding that your business operates within some set planetary boundaries. And if you don't understand the planetary boundaries, then uh, you don't understand the longer-term viability of your business model. And that means that you can't create value for your shareholders. So you need to understand how your how your business will make money in a world that has met the sustainable development goals. And that is really the benchmark for everything that you do. Is this a way of making money that is viable in a world that has met the sustainable development goals? And if your business model is a business model that will only make money if we don't meet the sustainable development goals, then you're on the wrong track and you will not be able to make money for your shareholders over the longer term.
2: Sounds like we got a sum up from the two of you and we heard about the boardroom revolution. Uh, we have also heard about the, how to bridge the strategy, um, risk and opportunity perspectives of, of a board. Um, and I think, Øystein, we are quite satisfied with this uh, with this episode so far. Would you like to take the, the outro of the, the podcast today?
1: Yeah, thank you. I think I'd just like to thank both of you, our guests, Thuris Solvang and Martin Skanke for visiting our podcast to for bringing in very important perspectives how you have talked about that the future of business is creating sustainable business strategies that's a very important point that we bring along so thank you again so much and uh, to all our listeners out there, thank you also and
3: goodbye